Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me uh, for this uh, Facebook and Instagram live offering uh, on joy. So happy to be back here on Facebook Live and Instagram. Uh, it's been uh, a few months uh, since I've done one of these sessions. I was offering a uh, and facilitating an online uh, retreat program on compassion. And uh, there were two sections of that. And so I was just far, far too busy uh, to make it to a Facebook Live session. But that is over now. And so here I am. <laughs> So uh, today's offering will be on the topic of joy or mudita in Sanskrit and Pali. I'm going to talk a little bit more about mudita a little later, but before I get into that and the bulk of the offering today, I, I really just want to make a few announcements as I, I typically kind of do. Uh, so the first announcement, I'm really, really excited about uh, an upcoming book study that I'm going to be offering over Zoom. Uh, and this is a book study on the book entitled The Inner Work of Racial Justice. Uh, this is a book by Professor and Dr. Rhonda McGee. Uh, this starts relatively soon, actually. It's launching at 6 p.m. Pacific Coast time uh, this coming Monday, March 31st. If you're here in Asia, in Thailand in particular, that's 8 a.m. on Tuesday morning, June 1st. Now this book study will be for free, and I'm going to be there as a moderator, but I'm also going to be participating in the book study and really taking a deep dive. I've read the book. It's a fantastic book. I really can't recommend it highly enough, and it's really timely uh, with all of the, uh, the racial tension and disparity that's coming to light, particularly in America, but really worldwide. Uh, this book allows one to take a really deep dive into the somatic experience of unconscious racism. And in doing that, we make the unconscious conscious. We bring it into the light of awareness. Uh, we do this through mindfulness meditation practices and through reading and study. Uh, so please do join me for that. If you haven't already uh, sent me a message of interest, uh, please do and I'll put your name on the list. I'll be sending out the Zoom links uh, the evening prior to the first session. Uh, probably be meeting every other week uh, with that uh, to allow enough space and time for everyone to enjoy the practices uh, that, are out that are outlined in the book. Also uh, want to uh, announce that I'll be here on Facebook Live and Instagram uh, for the next four weeks every Friday. So this same time, it's Friday morning here in Thailand, Thursday evening, uh, for those of you tuning in in the States. Uh, I'll be here this same time for the next four weeks uh, talking about joy. Uh, what a great topic, actually. <laughs> So I'm happy to be doing that. And it's a, really a way of leading up to uh, the eight-week uh, online retreat that I'm going to be offering on the practices of joy. Now, as I'm, I'm moving into announcing that, I'll give all of the, the details. So there are two sections to this retreat, just like the Compassion Retreat, if you're familiar, if you enjoyed that retreat with me. Um, so... The section one is really uh, designed to cater to people who are in Asia, North America, South America, uh, because of the time zones. Uh, so section one launches on Monday, June 28th at 8 a.m. And we finish on August 19th, which is a Thursday. Uh, that finishes for section one at 10 a.m. Uh, so the sessions are over Zoom. Uh, they're about two hours long with a, a break in the middle. And I just want to mention also that the, for Section 1 and Section 2, the sessions will be recorded just for the retreat participants. Uh, oftentimes people message me and say, you know, I'd love to do this program, but I can't make Thursdays, or I can't make Mondays, or I can't 
make the first month or whatever it is. Some people actually sign up, they can't do any of the live sessions and that's fine. Uh, you'll have the recordings there. Uh, and so if you wish to learn at your own pace, uh, you can just buy, buy into the program and then I'll be send you the links uh, as I produce them. So generally the links are available uh, to the recording just a few hours after uh, the session ends live. So plenty of ways and options of enjoying uh, that retreat if you find the uh, window of opportunity to make the live uh, sessions uh, limiting. Uh, the second section that I mentioned is really designed to cater to people in Europe and the UK. And that is on Mondays and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Uh, in the UK. So adjust your clocks accordingly if you're elsewhere in Europe for that. And you can find out more information about the online offerings at my website, uh, which is suchsweetthunder.org. Uh, so just go on the website there, click on the Retreats uh, and Programs page, and that will uh, give you everything you need to know about the upcoming programs. Okay. So I think I made it through those announcements in about five minutes. That's pretty painless. <laughs> so if you've been with me for any of these sessions before, you know that I really like to start the talks with a, a brief guided meditation as a way of really uh, setting the table uh, for the offerings. Now there's historical precedents for this. Uh, the Buddha himself, uh, when he gave talks to, to his people, to his uh, monks and nuns and lay people that he was talking to uh, 25, 2600 years ago, he used to open his talk with a, a, a little meditation or a talk sometimes on loving kindness, sometimes on gratitude or appreciative joy, uh, as a way of softening the heart uh, so that the teachings could more easily land like that. They, the t these teachings more easily land uh, when our heart is open. So that's the idea there. So I'll ring the bell. You'll hear just one ring of the bell. And then I'll do a little bit of guiding. We might do this for about 10 minutes or so. Uh, and then we'll come back and I'll move into the talk on today's topic of joy, mudita. Now, if you wish to not do the meditation practice for whatever reason, that's fine. Maybe you're, you're not in a place right now where you can meditate. Uh, you can just proceed and continue doing what you're doing. Or if you wish to just close your eyes and follow your breath, if you have a breath meditation you'd rather do, or you feel free to get up and stretch, go get a drink of water. Uh, when you come back, we'll be here. So whatever best supports you in this present moment. And so the invitation is now just to arrive here in this present moment. You might arrive here by just noticing how the body feels right now. Whether you're seated or standing or lying down. What are the sensations in the body? Just noticing. There's no wrong or right about that. Just notice how the body feels in this posture. You could also arrive by taking a nice, long, nourishing, deep breath. And on the exhalation, if you wish, if it feels comfortable, allowing the out-breath to be just slightly longer than the in-breath. That slower, elongated out-breath can bring a sense of calm, of stillness to the heart, to the nervous system. So 
So just finding your way into that resting. And then inviting the breath to just return to its uncontrolled breathing pattern and just rest. You might notice any tension or stress that might be held around the abdomen while we're noticing the breath. It's so common for the human body to want to contain tension or stress around the abdomen. And if we notice that, maybe we can just invite that tension or stress to soften, relax, rest. Just inviting the muscles in the abdomen to unwind and relax. And perhaps noticing how the rib cage expands and contracts with each breath. You might notice the rising and falling of the shoulders as you inhale and exhale. And perhaps noticing how the back moves out as you breathe in and in as you breathe out. And particularly if you're seated or standing, you might notice how the body straightens up slightly as you breathe in and leans forward slightly as you breathe out. Just noticing how the breath moves through the body. You might also notice the temperature changing from cooler to warmer at the nose and the back of the throat with each breath. Resting, breathing. And if you wish, if it feels comfortable, now would be a great time to include any sensations arising from the feet into this experience. If you'd rather just stay with the breath, that's fine too. But if you wish, exploring sensations arising from the feet and just inviting the muscles in the feet to grow soft, relax and rest. You might also notice sensations of clothing against the legs, inviting the muscles in the legs to relax. And perhaps noticing the weight of the body against the cushion or chair. And here we can just pause for a moment and extend a breath of gratitude to whatever our seating apparatus is, whether it's a cushion or a chair, mat or floor. Just appreciating how it feels to be supported and held for this proxy for the earth, for Mother Gaia. And if you wish, if it feels like the time to do so, you might also notice sensations of clothing against the back. And so we can invite the muscles in the back to grow soft, relax, rest. There might be sensations of hands resting against the body or perhaps touching each other the arms resting against the body. Inviting the hands and arms to grow soft, rest. You might also notice sensations of clothing against the shoulders. 
Letting any tension or stress that's held in the shoulders soften, relax, rest. Noticing sensations arising from the back of the neck, the sides of the neck. Inviting the muscles in the neck to relax, unwind, grow soft. There might be sensations arising throughout the cheeks of the face. And so here, just letting any tension or stress that's held in the face go. Just inviting the muscles there to soften, rest. Noticing if there are any sensations arising from the top of the head. Just noticing the crown of the head, whatever's arising there. Resting, breathing, feeling. And while resting here with the breath and body, If it feels right, if you wish to explore the sounds of the present moment, you can now just open awareness to include any sound. And just whatever is there, just noticing the universe orchestrate the perfect soundtrack of this present moment. Whether there are cars or traffic nearby or a dog barking, the birds are singing here in Thailand, that's nice. And so here we just use the sounds as a part of the meditation practice. There's nothing to struggle against. And if your auditory field is particularly quiet or silent, just notice the silence, listening to the sound of silence. And if there are sounds in your environment, you might notice how the sounds interact with the silence of the present moment. I often hear the sounds as cascading through the silence. Resting, breathing, feeling. And while resting here in this present moment experience, the invitation is to recall either through visualization or just a recollection of something you feel gratitude towards. This could be something very sim seemingly trivial like the color of a, ro the color of a rose. or simply the nourishment of each breath, the miracle of the breathing, which supports our consciousness, bringing oxygen to our blood, nourishing our system, allowing this experience to be the miracle of the breath. Or perhaps the laughter of a friend the purring of a kitten, the beauty of a sunset, whatever's there, whatever's up for you. And just taking a breath or two to allow this experience, which you feel grateful for, to come into focus.
And so here the invitation is to feel into the experience of gratitude in the body. How do you know physically that this experience of gratitude was an experience of gratitude? Where does that message land for you? There might be a softening around the heart when you bring this visualization into play. There might be a warmth in the abdomen or shoulders. Might be just a sense of relaxation that moves through the body. There's no wrong way or right way of feeling gratitude. Just feel how this manifests for you somatically in the body. And while feeling into this experience of gratitude, the invitation is now to go into the experience of gratitude as much as you possibly can. Submerging yourself in the experience of gratitude as if you were submerging yourself in a warm tub of water or in a swimming pool or in the ocean. Sometimes people like to visualize this gratitude being poured into their head like warm, golden, honey-like syrup. Visualizing this golden syrup of gratitude covering the skull and flowing down the spine, drenching each vertebrae of the spine with this golden syrup, this warmth, this energy, this light of gratitude. And then allowing this warm golden syrup, this warmth of energy and gratitude to fill the entire body. Allowing the gratitude, this warmth to nourish each cell, each muscle, each tendon flowing through the veins and arteries this warmth, this kindness, this gratitude shimmering out from the surface of the skin in all directions. Resting, breathing. And so the invitation is just to stay with this feeling of gratitude. Just for another breath or two. And so in the next breath, we'll begin to shift away from this guided meditation and back into our conversational space. And I'll cue that by ringing the bell three times. Thank you for joining me in that opening meditation practice. Uh, and so if you wish to explore that longer, if you're watching this on video on playback, press pause now and feel free to just stay with that experience of gratitude as long as you wish. Uh, often when I guide that meditation live, uh, people tell me that uh, they wanted to stay there longer, 
and I understand that me too. <laughs> That's such a such a good practice to just enjoy and to bathe in. Um, and there's great benefit in doing that. So feel free. Uh, but for those of us who are watching here live, and, and thank you so much for being here, by the way, if you are, uh, I'm going to proceed into today's uh, talk. So joy. And, uh, you know, immediately when I posted uh, the advertisement for the retreat on joy that I'm going to be offering starting at the end of June, I got some blowback. <laughs> How can we practice joy in, in these times, you know, uh, with the world, particularly places like India, suffering so intensely right now? And, and in, in Myanmar, with the, the incredible uh, events that are unfolding in Myanmar, so much suffering there. And all over the world, in Brazil, you know, they're, they're having really uh, challenging times there. And places in, in America, too, not, not only I know America's coming out of the, the, the COVID with the very rapid rollout of the vaccine, that's so, such great news. Uh, but also the, the racial divisiveness that's happening there and the, the political tensions and divide. Uh, so there is an incredible amount of strife right now. How can we practice joy? Well, one might answer that question with how can we not practice joy in these times, right? Isn't that just the medicine that our nervous system, that our mind might be asking for? in this time. Because, you know, the human nervous system, it's not designed to inhabit a world that's constantly filling us with stressors and warnings. Our nervous system, the human nervous system, the amazing machine that it is, this amazing device of genius, that is the human nervous system. It's designed to uh, notify us when we're in danger. But, you know, back 100,000 uh, 100, years or even further back, uh, you know, there wasn't this constant hum of danger when our nervous system was evolving. We didn't have that, you know, constant threat. We'd be out uh, maybe hunting for food or gathering and there'd be a lion in front of us all of a sudden. There would be this you know, instantaneous threat and our nervous system would mobilize the fight or flight response. And then once we were out of that danger, we could find a sense of calm, a sense of stillness where we could recalibrate, where our nervous system could return to its homeostasis calm. So it was more like, you know, we'd hit, a, hit an emergency and then we'd come down after we recovered. Hit an emergency and then come down after we recovered, like that. That's how our nervous system is designed to cope with tension and stress. But, you know, the events this past year and a half or so, it's been this constant hum. And so homeostasis, uh, that, that place of homeostasis, at least for myself personally, it's been very challenging uh, to find that. Because we, we, you know, we might turn on the news or you know, hear some events in the world uh, that, that cause our nervous system to go into that fight or flight. And then when we, when we turn off the news or go for a walk or start to rest, start to relax, we come down, but we don't really ever land back at that homeostasis point. So we land, but now we land at maybe a one or a two, instead of reaching back to that bottom, back to that homeostasis, that state of rest. And so this has been going on now for quite some time, over a year. So the practices of mindfulness meditation, of compassionate meditation, of loving-kindness meditation, of joy, of equanimity, 
these practices are designed to help us find that homeostasis, to help us find our way back to that home plate, to that ground of rest, so we can let that go. And so you might be thinking, well, that sounds great, but what about all of the strife that will continue in the world? Maybe I can come back to my apartment and meditate for a while or enjoy this program on joy, but what happens then? Well, we become more available for others because we are able to recalibrate our nervous system. We become more compassionate for others. We become more resourceful for others. We become uh, more available to the everyday joys that are available to our life. We can notice them, take them in, just like we did in this meditation few minutes ago. And in doing that, we have more joy to offer to others who, who might be struggling, who might not have a practice like this. And so we learn to share that joy and we become nourishment for our neighbors. So how can we not practice these practices, whether it's joy, mudita, whether it's practices of loving kindness or compassion or mindfulness meditation or perhaps yoga or tai chi or qigong. Whatever your practice is that allows your nervous system to find its way back to home base. It's so important right now. So, particularly the practices of joy and, and some of the other practices that we'll be taking a deeper dive into over the next four weeks on Facebook Live and on the eight-week joy uh, retreat that I'm offering. Uh, they're not only uh, helping us recalibrate in the way that I just described, but they're also designed to allow us to balance out uh, the human negativity bias. This is another uh, great way of finding our home base, if you will. And coming back to that evolutionary process of the human nervous system, as we were evolving as the human species, uh, we had to be able to, to, to pick out the dangers in our environment. We had to be able to know that the rustling in the bush was a snake every time we heard that rustling of the bush, even when it was just the breeze, or even when it was just a rabbit rustling in the brush. We, our nervous system had to interpret that as something to be scared of, because the one in a hundred times that it was a snake, that would harm us or prevent us from passing our genes to the next generation, right? So it was beneficial for our mind to interpret every threat as a life-threatening danger. Everything that even a, took the shade of being threatening, our nervous system had to interpret that as something that would keep us from seeing our grandchildren. And it worked, we're all still here. <laughs> but the problem is, is that that tendency is outdated. We don't need that any longer. We don't live in that kind of world anymore. And so, you know this from your own experience probably, right? If you have a list, a to-do list of 20 things to do, and you set out on your day and you, you get all 19 of them perfectly right, and the 20th one goes horribly wrong. <laughs> what's, the, what's the aspect of that that you're going to think about for the next week or two? Right? And so that's our negativity bias. We're always focused on what we could have done better rather than what we did perfectly well. 
And so some of the blowback that I've received about offering a joy retreat or about these practices of joy and loving kindness, really, is that it, it, it enables um, toxic positivity. This isn't about toxic positivity. This is about balancing our view so that we can see both equally the positive things in our environment, in our life, and the negative things. So that we're not only noticing the one thing that went wrong for the foreseeable future, but we're also noticing the 19 things that went right. Joy is a great practice for this, really is. I, I can't tell you how much benefit I myself uh, have received in this way uh, by embarking on these practices of mudita, of joy. So joy is really known in some circles, and particularly in the Tibetan tradition, as the trembling of the heart in the face of happiness. Joy is what arises when our open nervous system, our open awareness, meets happiness. Beautiful, right? And it is kind of seen as the, the opposite side of the coin or the flip side of the coin to compassion. Compassion is the heart that trembles in the face of suffering. When open awareness, when mindfulness meets suffering, we feel compassion. We feel we want to be free from that suffering, right? Or we wish others be free from that suffering. That's the trembling of the heart in the face of suffering. That's compassion. Very similarly, when we experience happiness, our own happiness or others, our heart trembles with that experience of joy. And sort of counterintuitively, what tends to happen there is we can begin to close down because that experience, that trembling of the heart uh, feels so unfamiliar. It feels kind of threatening in some ways. Now there are, this is what brings rise to reactivity when we close down around that trembling of the heart, whether it's trembling of the heart in the face of suffering or trembling in the heart of the face of happiness, it's the same closing down. It's our habitual reactive pattern. And so there are many ways the heart closes down around the experience of happiness. I'm just gonna mention one of those today because I do have a few more talks after this, and so I'll save some of those for the preceding talks. But the, for me, the, the primary obstacle of joy, the primary, what's known in, in the Tibetan traditions as the enemy of joy, is the inner critic. And so if you join me over the eight-week uh, offering, our task at hand will be to locate and assassinate the inner critic. <laughs> uh, so we do that by uh, embarking on many, many different types of meditation, different doorways in to joy, different doorways into that trembling of the heart. And when we start to move in to that trembling of the heart in meditation practice, the voice of the inner critic can appear and say things like, oh, you don't deserve this, or, or you know, you should be doing other things, or, you know, what about the, uh, the suffering that's happening around the world? Those are all resistances to joy. You might be feeling that now as you're listening to this talk, or perhaps a, at the opening meditation practice, you might have felt some resistance there. That's normal. It, it is the normal tendency to do that. But just like our negativity bias, that tendency is outdated. We don't need to do that. We can actually open and recover our ability to be more receptive to the joys that are inherent in life. The joy of the sunset, 
the joy of our neighbor's smile, the joy of the rose, the joy of having a functional mind for which to listen to Dharma talks or to meditate with. There's all of these joys that are replete within our life circumstance, even if we're, uh, even if we're in a marginalized place. There's almost always something that we can find joy in. I, I do want to honor that if we are in a marginalized community or living in, uh, in less than par conditions, that's challenging. That, that's very challenging. And so that might be the task at hand for some of us. And so as I continue here with this talk, I just want to mention a few of the, the explorations that I might be intro introducing here in, over these four weeks. And definitely uh, we'll be exploring these during the eight weeks of, uh, of joy practice that I'll be offering online. Uh, the joy of a collected, focused mind. And this comes right from the, the Theravada Buddhist tradition, the early Buddhist tradition. Uh, it would said that if you could really focus your mind into the present moment, then there could be this experience of joy. Like that. So finding joy in just this breath. Finding joy in just this present moment without any reactivity. When that reactivity subsides, the underlying experience is joy, like that. So I might be able to offer a little bit of an insight into that uh, today. Freedom from reactivity, there's joy in that. And this is kind of connected to the joy of the collected mind. When we can, uh, either through meditation or maybe through yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, some other contemplative practices like centering prayer, we find a space, an open space, where our reactive habits, tendencies rest. It might just be for a second, but it's there. Where there's no attraction, there's no aversion, and there's no indifference. And when we can rest in that place, uh, there's a, an abundance of joy that arises from that place. As Rumi once said, uh, out beyond the ideas of right and wrong, there's a field. Let's meet there. And so this, this doorway into joy, joy is a doorway into that field that Rumi uh, was so eloquently referring to there. Joy of generosity amazing. When we give, we receive. And this is now we know this to be true because there's brain studies that show that the same area of our brain lights up when we receive a gift and when we give a gift. The brain doesn't know the difference. It's the same neurons that wire and fire together, whether we're giving uh, out of uh, generosity or receiving somebody else's generosity beautiful. And there's a, an abundance of joy that can be felt in that experience, whether we're giving or receiving. Uh, so just as a way of uh, exploring that, I welcome you uh, to practice generosity over the next week. Have an act of, uh, have a, a random act of kindness, maybe buy somebody a cup of coffee or offer somebody a compliment or, you know, send somebody an email that you haven't spoken to in a while and tell them how much uh, they meant to you, or how, how just compliment them in some way. It doesn't even have to cost anything at all, like an email, a compliment, a flower, a smile. All of these are acts of generosity. The joy of gratitude, you might have been able to feel into a little bit of that at the opening meditation there. Uh, keeping a gratitude list is another great way uh, to explore this door uh, into the joy of gratitude. Now, if you do keep a gratitude list, make sure you take some time to actually really feel somatically 
what that experience that you're writing on that gratitude list is. Feel into the experience. Very important part of that gratitude list that's often overlooked. Like that sympathetic joy. And this is a really great practice. This is one of the uh, traditional translations of mudita, that Sanskrit word which is generally translated into joy, uh, sympathetic joy. And this is really taking joy in the success of others and other people's happinesses, other people's reasons for celebration. We feel those as our own. Beautiful practice. And this is often where the inner critic comes in, but it manifests as jealousy and envy. Right? We feel like we're, we're being critical of the other, but we're only critical of the other because it doesn't feel good to be critical of ourself. We're really, that same voice is telling ourself how we should be, how we quote unquote should be, how we wanted to be. So I don't want to dive too deeply into the inner critic today, uh, but that's a, a hint at that, what that inner critic voice might sound like for some of us. So sympathetic joy brings that inner critic up in really um, unforgiving ways sometimes. It really allows us to see that inner critic, to really look at it in the eyes and say, I see you. I know who you are. You don't need to be here anymore. And we hug the inner critic and we let him go or her go. Another doorway into joy is the simple joy of being. The joy of each breath. Actually, when you really get into that, the breath actually feels good. It feels good to breathe. It's pleasurable. So just to, to recognize that. Wow. Well, maybe some of us have emphysema or asthma or allergies and breathing doesn't feel good. Well, there's also joy of the sensations of clothing against your body. Or the joy of feeling the feet against the ground. Or the joy of the taste of your favorite cup of hot chocolate or coffee. Or the beauty of a sunset. And so here, the joy of being, finding joy in the six senses. In, in, in Asia, uh, the sixth sense is the sense of the mind. So there's even joy in the mind. And if you've ever, ever seen the movie, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, it's a great, great movie. Overall, it's a beautiful movie, but it's a beautiful movie about how one can find unconditional, boundless joy in the mind. I know that sounds very uh, contradictory to meditation, right? But there can be this joy in the mind. And the last doorway into joy that I'm going to mention here is the joy of overcoming challenges, overcoming and transforming our, the, the challenges in our path, whatever they may be, right? We kind of all know this joy. If you think about like the last obstacle that we encountered and we able to overcome that in whatever means. You know, when we finally came out of the other side of that, ah, wow, right? And, and you can rejoice that. There's this feeling of, yeah, I made it. I'm strong. I made it through that. And there's a feeling of joy that arises from that experience. And so I just want to mention here that all of the practices of joy and all of the immeasurables, whether it's loving kindness, compassion, equanimity, or joy, they all aim high. They're, they're really like really aiming at that highest, highest aspect of whatever the immeasurable is. Here it's joy. And so we, we take that high aim so that we can grow our mind, our nervous system, our body, our heart towards the light of joy. So we're not trying to cultivate kind of a peak experience where we come to meditate and we leave 
like, you know, our platelets are vibrating and we leave totally ecstatic. And then, you know, an hour later, we're just as reactive as we were before the practice. That's not the idea. Now, we might come to a meditation practice and, and feel really joyful, and that's great. But the real benefit comes over the days, the weeks, the months, and the years of cultivating a practice like this, where we gradually, slowly start to marinate in the experience of joy, and our nervous system begins to fire and wire in that direction towards this boundless experience of joy, this mudita. And there's so much more benefit in that than just the quick hit of joy. The benefit is that we, we again become that resource. We become that stability. We become that ground of joy for ourselves, for our loved ones, for people we don't know, for people we don't like and eventually for our entire world, we become that, that ground, that resource of joy. So I've reached the end of my talk here today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining me for my return to Facebook and Instagram Live. It's a pleasure to be here. Couldn't do it without an audience. So thank you, whether you're watching live or whether you're watching on video. Uh, once again, if you're interested in signing up for the Joy Retreat online offering, uh, please visit my website, suchsweetthunder.org. Go to the Retreats and Programs page and you can find everything you need there. Or if you want to just sign up now, uh, just message me and tell me you're interested in signing up and I'll get you signed up. That'll be great. Uh, I will be back at the same time next Friday, uh, doing more of the same, offering another talk and perhaps more meditating on joy. Have a great weekend and a great week, and I will, uh, I'll see you there. I'll ring the bell to make it official. Thank you.